Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Bulls, your daily podcast on the Chicago Bulls. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, Anywhere that you can find podcasts, please leave us a five-star review. Uh, you can email us with any basketball questions or advertising inquiries at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at LockedOnBulls. Like us on Facebook at LockedOnBulls. Check out plenty of the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On Nets, hosted by my friend David Wurzberger, who... Uh, covers the NBA for various outlets. He and I uh, just a few minutes ago recorded an episode, a joint episode of, of Locked on Bulls and Locked on Nets from one of the back rooms in the media room at Barclays Center in Brooklyn because I'm traveling to some road games this year for the Athletic. And, uh, we, you know, we talked about the this Nets game, which was obviously a blowout. The Bulls won. But then, you know, talked a little bit about the Michael Carter-Williams injury, some of the Nets' young players. Uh, it runs about 20 minutes. So, uh We'll be back. Cody and I will be back tomorrow with a episode after I go to uh, Bulls practice in Boston, uh, and we're you know, have an update about the MCW injury and other things. But until then, enjoy this conversation with David Wurzberger from Locked On Nets. All right, so Wurz, that was a pretty interesting game. I, I mean, I don't know about good necessarily, but it was, that was a game. Yeah, uh, not the most exciting. You know, could have. <laughs> I think the most exciting part for the crowd was Dwayne Wade garbage time schooling uh, Boyan Bogdanovich out there like it was it was an and one mixtape or something. The crowd was rising to their feet every time Wade brought it up the court. That was hilarious because he would, like in the fourth quarter, first of all, I have no idea why Wade was in that game. Yeah. They opened, they went into the fourth quarter up by like, what, they up by like 20, 25, 25 27, plus, yeah. something like that. There's no way, I mean, even I know the Nets almost came back from 23 down against the Celtics, but that was that was not happening. But so I don't know why Wade was even in, but when he was in, he was he was getting shots up. He was getting his garbage time stats padded. Yeah, it was a veteran move. That that was yeah, <laughs> yeah. He had a three earlier in the game. That that was that was I guess the highlight as far as funness. The rest of the game was pretty sloppy and just a total blowout. Um, I wonder if this game says more about where the Bulls are or where the Nets are. I feel like the answer to that question is that it says more about the Nets because, I mean, the Bulls, I still, like, here's the thing. They've looked a lot better than I thought they would look, and, you know, the chemistry seems good. Everybody's getting along. The vibes are good. But they played the Celtics on the second night of a Mm back-to-back. They played the Pacers on the second night of a back-to-back. And the Nets— That was the second— The game where they blew out the Pacers was a back-to-back. I didn't know that. The Pacers were on a back-to-back after the Nets game, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. And then they beat the Nets, which is a team (laughs) that, you know, you would think they just should beat. But uh, so, so, you know, their game that they have on uh, Wednesday in Boston is actually uh, the first one where I'm going to look at that and say, okay, this is a good team on the road, not— 
on a back-to-back. So if they can win that game, then that's going to be the first time I'm going to really feel like uh, the Bulls have like shown something that you know you can build off of long-term and feel like, okay, I can actually make declarations about this team because I wonder if they're just beating teams that are, are worse than them. Yeah, I agree. And when it comes to the Nets, uh, I feel like this is sort of their first falling down to earth game. Mm-hmm. Like this is where people expected the Nets to be. Like you look at their first three games, you know, you lose by twenty to Boston. They did come back late in the game. I'm not sure if you could really count that. You know, third stringers come in. Celtics aren't really trying. Uh, but you know, you lose to Boston by twenty. Okay, they're a really good team. Probably second best in the East. All right, you beat Indiana. Which was projected to be a playoff team. Yeah, that was a really. Got Paul George. We were talking about this on Press Row during the game. Uh, Paul George is the second best player in the Eastern Conference, right? Probably because I feel like I feel like he is. Yeah. So the Nets beat that team, and then challenged the Bucks on the road without Brook Lopez. So you look at that, and people are like, "Oh, hey, this Nets team." You know what? I I put them at twenty six wins. And plus, just the idea that you know now they you know they got a GM that's from the Spurs organizational tree and they have a coach in Kenny Atkinson who's like praised for developing young players and they signed Jeremy Lin who has a relationship with Kenny Atkinson and they have some young guys and you know there's kind of a little bit of buzz of like hey this team isn't going to be good but they're going to be fun they are most definitely going to be fun and they're going to try hard and they, they, they have this weird just, co- the talent is just not there right they have this camaraderie there I, I think it's pretty evident and so you know this Nets team this was their falling down to earth game I put them at 26 wins and caught some flag for it. People thought I was going too high on that, but you know what? I think that's too high. They, they can <laughs> outwork some teams, and they're going to shoot the hell out of that three ball. And you know what? They shot, what, like 30 of them tonight? Missed most of them, but on a night where those do fall, because they don't have great shooters. They do have some streaky shooters. Like, Boyan can get hot. Sean Kilpatrick can get hot. Jeremy Lin can get hot. Justin Hamilton can get hot. And it's going to – like – the Nets are going to have a lot of these games, but they're also going to have a decent amount of games where they, they just come in and start burying threes against a way superior team and win, which is what they kind of did against Indiana, even though they, they also uh, played some pretty good defense then, too. I have to say, I was encouraged that the Bulls actually won this game. Not that it was ever really close, but this was a thing last year, and this is something that they like to harp on, was that they were 7-1 and one in the eight games that they played against Cleveland and Toronto, which were the top two teams in the East last year, and they still didn't make the playoffs. And the reason they didn't make the playoffs is because too many times during the year they would just lose games to, like, Phoenix and these just these teams that are clearly not as good as them or as talented as them that they should beat. So far this year, they've been just taking care of, and even if they won these games last year against these worst teams, they would, like, let them hang around and just not put them away. Tonight, they just never let the Nets. They got up of that big lead in the, f- the first quarter and just yep. never let Brooklyn get back in. It was never a game after, like, the middle of the first quarter. No, it wasn't even close. And, you know, you, you can go pretty far just beating up on, on bad teams. So that, that's something to watch with Chicago, you know. Uh, we, I think the most interesting conversation we had on Press Row was, is Anthony Bennett the worst first o- overall pick of all time? I When he checked in, like, I, I remember that they signed him this summer, but, like, he actually made the team. Yeah, and he's actually getting minutes. I know it was a blowout, but he was getting minutes, and it's like, yeah, that is the worst. Because no- I mean, okay, <laughs> even, who are the other like the other recent contenders? Greg Oden was a generational talent and just could never stay healthy. Like that wasn't a bad pick based on talent. Andrea Bargnani, like as much as he's become a punchline, he had a couple of good years in Toronto years. before yeah. uh, 
before his career just completely fell off a cliff. Anthony Bennett, you know, never played his first, barely played his first year in Cleveland. It was like famously, it took him like ten games into the season to even have a game where he scored ten points, and it was just miserable. Like he had to delete his Twitter, and then he gets traded to the uh, Timberwolves as part of the Andrew Wiggins uh, Kevin Love trade. Right, doesn't do anything there. And then he goes to Toronto, which was supposed to be, hey, I'm coming home. Like, he's Canadian. He's going to go back to Toronto, and he's going to do well there. He's got a coach there that he likes and didn't do anything nope. there. He got bought out in the middle of the season. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a rocky road. And, you know, it's funny you brought up Odin because, like, it, I feel like Bennett is just going to keep hanging around as that sort of guy that teams say, oh, he was drafted first overall. Maybe we can, you know, this is a reclamation project for us. Which The Nets are, like, the third or Third team He's saying just, that. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's a rough situation. I mean, like, if the Cavs took who else was in the like Victor Oladipo was the obvious pick was, I think at the time. Was he? Well, see, that was that was a weird draft because that was the and Michael Carter Williams one rookie, and we'll get to him in a second because he had a knee injury. That was the only real the only real news. Yeah, what is the what is the status on that by the way? So Hoiberg said, and for those of you who don't know, in the first half, uh, Michael Carter Williams went down holding his knee. His left knee, uh, he left. I should note he was walking under his own power. Yes. He didn't have to be helped off. He wasn't even, like, being held by any no. trainers. He walked up. He was obviously limping, but he walked off by himself. So that's a good sign. The Bulls said during the game that he was ruled out for the game with a knee injury. Fred Hoiberg said afterwards that they were calling it a knee sprain, which is usually just what they call those kinds Until of things. Until they actually check Until the they MRI. actually do it. But they said he's going to get an MRI tomorrow when they get to Boston. So we will know more then and... I will have a Locked on Bulls episode for you guys then once we actually know about what his injury is. But for now, you know, I would imagine if I had to guess, I think he probably is not going to play against the Celtics on Wednesday. I don't know about beyond that. It'll just all depend on what the MRI says. But, like, yeah, that's not great. And I'll, and I'll be interested to see, let's say he does miss a little bit of time, what they do as far as who gets those backup point guard minutes because Isaiah Cannon played a lot tonight and he shot yeah. the ball well, but he's more of like, he's not really a point guard as much as he's like the Aaron Brooks type of guy <laughs> that just comes that, in off the bench. And he's and, wearing Aaron Brooks' number, too, exactly, to make it even like, more appropriate. Like, he just you know comes off the bench and gets buckets. Speaking of point guards... Uh, but so I think, Den- I think Denzel Valentine maybe will get his actual shot because he only really played in garbage time the last two games, but... Uh, I think, you know, if there's if, if MCW is out for a while, they do like Denzel running the point. And I think maybe now that he's got a couple practices in, he's gotten a couple games in in garbage time, like maybe Fred will feel more comfortable bringing him in and actually playing him real minutes running the offense. Yeah, I, I can see that happening. But, you know, you mentioned running the point. Nets fans, well, first of all, Lynn, another yeah, pretty solid game. He good. Yeah, he's... Uh, you know, he's been sort of uh, four games in. He's had, like, one great game. This one was pretty good. And he had a sort of meh and bad game. A little all over the place. We'll see uh, maybe 20 games in how that stabilizes. But we saw Isaiah Whitehead. I'm convinced he's going to be a good NBA player despite he had a bad night. I mean, Vasquez is out. Uh, Atkinson says it's a day-to-day situation, so we're not really sure when he's going to get back. It's a sore ankle. Uh, but... You know, Whitehead, he sees things an NBA point guard should see, and he tries on defense, and he has skills. Like, it's not like he missed two wide-open threes today, but that's more of, I don't know, nerves or something because we've seen him hit three. Like, he can shoot the three. Uh, I'm, I, I think he's going to be a good player, and I think this is one of those things, second-round pick, Nets fans need to be patient, you know, with guys like him. 
and McCullough. And I'm glad we got to see extended minutes of him, even though it was because of the injury. But McCullough did play a lot in the fourth quarter because of the blowout. And I feel like with the Nets, if they're going to get killed in games like these, which it's going to happen, it's not a big deal. Like, this team doesn't have a ton Nobody of ever thought they were going to make the playoffs anyway. No, no. I mean, they're going to have a handful of these games. Throw out the young guys, give them some good playing time, give them some game reps. I think that helps, even if we don't see a ton of improvement uh, over, you know, over doing that. I think that's the way to go. But we also said something else about the Nets was that uh, Doug McDermott would be the best prospect on this team, right? He would be. I, I think it's like not. That's not even a question. Like, who's even the competition? Rondé Hollis. Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Yeah. And he hasn't really done much yet. He can't. He can't shoot. He's a good defender. I like his. I like his. Uh, He's one of those guys that looks like he should be a good NBA player. Yeah, it's you know it's been four games into the season. And I know um, he had some injuries last year, so he missed a lot of time. Yeah, there's, there hasn't been much improvement on his game. It seems like over these first four games, we're gonna have to watch more. Obviously, this is a small sample size, but uh, I'm hoping we see a little bit more, maybe on the defensive end. Uh, you know, maybe making less of those rookie mistakes. He's still a bit all over the place, but he recovers so well because he's an absolute freak, which I love about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensively, uh, you know, the mid-range shot sort of had it going last year, kind of has it going this year. Just a small sample size. I just feel like he hasn't stuck out on this Nets roster, which which, which is a problem because there's not a whole lot else to look at. Do you think they're going to trade Brooke at some point? Yeah, no, I, I've mentioned it on my podcast. He's, he's gone. I like not. This isn't me saying I have sources saying I know what they're going to do, but like, it just makes 150% like logical sense for them to move him by but the trade deadline. But here's the thing, what, what are you going to get for him? Because he's making $20 million a year, which I know that's a pretty – it's a, not a bad contract for it's a starting awful. center. But the thing you have to think about is in order to trade for a player who's making as much money as you Brooke need Lopez, to send you, that need, you need to send out the same amount of money to match the salaries and how many teams have pieces, enough pieces that they're willing right. to trade that also need a player like Brooke Lopez. Like the thing with – like the thing with Lopez, and it's it's the same reason that the Bucks have had so much trouble trying to unload Greg Monroe, Greg Monroe is you as a a big man who can't protect the rim and doesn't really have athleticism. Like you have to put him next to like if you put Brook Lopez next to Anthony Davis, that would be like the ideal fit for him. But uh, yeah, I I think the Nets can can uh, maybe get some expirings that are that sort of come up to twenty million that they can sort of. Just get rid of off the books and get like a pick with that. Maybe a late first round, mid first round, something like that. Maybe an intriguing young guy that's not a definite good prospect, but someone that's interesting. Sure. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'd see. So hey, what, hey, I have you on here. You know, you're a Bulls guy. Let's make this trade right now. I will trade. <laughs> what do you want for Brooke Lopez? See, I think that Bulls don't really need Brooke Lopez. <laughs> no. That's, that's, Robin that's, fits really well. Robin has been fantastic. Yeah. He's, He's doing exactly what you ask of Robin Lopez to do. He will, you know, he rebounds, he protects the rim. He's going to go his whole career being that guy that just get, he keeps getting shipped away. And like every fan, and then just because whenever he's on a new team, he's like, oh, he's perfect. He fits in great. And well, then, right, then he, he was, leaves again. Well, right, because he was really solid in Portland. He was really solid with the Knicks last year. New he's Orleans, been solid so far. Chicago, Chicago just, Phoenix, Phoenix. He was, he's like the only guy, because you know how usually like the joke is with the, with the Suns, training staff being what it is where like grant hill has all these injury problems <laughs> steve nash has all these injury problems yeah. and they go to phoenix and they suddenly do it brooke robin sorry i did the fred hoiberg mistake robin <laughs> was the only guy that i can think of who when he was in phoenix early on in his career he could never stay healthy and then he gets to new orleans and he's been super durable ever since then 
you, you you threw me a question about Brooke Lopez. I'm careening off a different topic here because we can't. We we're can't, talking about the. We're not trying to. How much can we? Really yeah, we talk can't about talk about Bulls this game. Blowout. Yeah, this no. game. This game was, was just awful. There was nothing happening. I, I will say real fast for the Nets fans listening. Like, this isn't a big deal. The Nets are going to have these games. Like, there's no... You shouldn't have any, like, crazy reactions to this. But let me ask you this, Sean. Okay. Who's the better point guard right now, Rajon Rondo or Jeremy Lin? I would rather have Lin. I think... I, I agree. I think Lin's better. But at the same time, like, they... It's really difficult to overstate the impact that Rondo has had in terms of, like, the locker room and all that stuff. I mean, I said, so that's all that stuff in terms of who you want on your team. And Lynn's a great teammate, too. So. Yeah. But, I mean, who's a better player right now? I, I think it's Jeremy Lin, and I don't think it's close. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Oh, well, I agree with you. I, I don't know. So what kind of ha- impact has Rondo had on the locker room? I mean, on the court, it seems like he's sort of touch-and-go defensively. Often. He's been engaged a little bit. At times, yeah. At times. I mean, Jeremy Lin kind of cooked him. At some points in this game, but uh, you know his passing's still there. Obviously, it seems like he's looking for a shot a little bit more than in past years. Yeah, I think tonight was probably his best scoring night with the Bulls, easily. So uh, that's, that's not say, that's not saying that's not much. saying a lot. He had what 10, 12 points. Yeah, but now as far as his impact in the locker room, like every single player on the team has just raved about. You know, he comes in. He was in here in August, like working out with guys. He's been super talkative. He's been like pointing out things to guys in the film room. He's all about finding guys easy shots, making guys push the pace a little bit. It's That's good. He's he's you know he's basically the exact kind of point guard. I mean he can't besides the fact that he can't shoot, he's the exact <laughs> kind of point guard that should be playing in like a Fred Hoiberg offense. Well, there you have it. Uh we gotta go. It's late. Yeah. We, we don't want to be in this building anymore. Sean, plug yourself for the Nets fans listening, and then I'm gonna plug myself for the Bulls fans listening. That sounds good. So I, you can read my work at the Athletic, which is theathletic.com. It costs money, I should point out, but if you wanna read <laughs> It's worth it. It's worth it. But not only is it worth it to read my stuff, which I mean it's it's a I I, I think my stuff is okay, yes, but take my word for it. But I would say that, uh, you know, we have a couple other markets. We have Toronto. We have Eric Kareen writing about the Raptors, which uh, he's one of the best. He's been covering that team for many years. He's great. Yep. Uh, we, you know, we have Danny LaRue, Danny LaRue doing, doing the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, in other sports, you know, we've got the Cubs in the World Series right now. So, obviously, Chicago, we got Sahad of Sharma and John Greenberg on that beat. Uh, that's so that's where you can find me. You can follow me on Twitter at Hiken. Subscribe to Locked on Bulls and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And then, so, Vert, do you want to plug yourself? You should do all those things. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Verts. You got to get rid of the underscore. I, dude, okay, so it's some French guy. <laughs> some guy in France has at Verts. Does he tweet? Enough to that his account can't be deactivated. And I've tweeted at him, like, dude, can I have this account? And he's like, no. My friends have always called me Verts, and his name's like Chris Green or something. I don't know where Verts comes from. Maybe he has a high vertical. <laughs> what about Verts NBA? Would that be bad? No, don't do that. Don't put literally every blogger like, uh, yeah, puts, it's NBA, lame. puts NBA in yeah. their name to make themselves look like an expert. David Verts? Is that like, I don't know. I mean, we'll, 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 we'll work on it. Yeah, okay. So find me on Twitter at underscore verts. I'm sorry about the underscore. I don't know why I came up with that. when I was, that was probably when I was like 13 or something. Uh, I, I posted like 15. <laughs> I am writing about the NBA at Vice Sports and another undisclosed uh, website because I haven't exactly written there yet. I just have a pitch that's approved. I'm freelancing around. You can read my stuff. Uh, I have some hot takes on my Twitter. 
Uh, they're pretty hot. They're pretty hot. I, I gotta say. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's about it. Uh, go subscribe to Locked On Nets. Uh, leave a five star rating on iTunes because those really help out. Yeah. All right. So uh, I will be back with the Locked On Bulls uh, from Boston tomorrow. So take it easy, guys. Have a good one. Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only.